Hi, it's Matthew from PanicAttackRecovery.com. We often like to provide a podcast version of our YouTube videos because people like having content in different formats. As well, we like to offer a lengthier version of our material, and we have found that extended versions work much better through the podcast format. Today I'd like to discuss the fear that many people have about experiencing panic attacks uh, either at work, in public places, or when they're just simply thinking about things that they would like to do uh, on one level, but on another level they completely avoid doing. Many people with panic attacks fear that they will lose control in the most awkward of places. For many folks, this could be having a panic attack at work. It could be fear of having panic attacks in public places or amongst a large crowd. You could literally fill in the blank here. One person we knew, we'll call her Jane to protect her identity, Jane was very worried about having a panic attack at work. When she became anxious, she would have very bad intestinal problems and feel the need to rush to the washroom. This made her anxiety much worse because she not only feared having a panic attack at work, but that she'd have intestinal problems as well. She informed us that she was given the suggestion by a psychologist that during any staff meeting, she should go ahead and try to intentionally leave the room. In other words, when you're in a meeting, for really no reason other than to try this out, Jane was given the suggestion that she should just get up and leave. And she became quite nervous uh, when this suggestion was given to her by the psychologist, is what she reported to us. But over time, she did agree to give it a try. The next staff meeting approached at work, and about halfway through the meeting, she got up and left the room. Jane saw that when she began leaving the room, no one really seemed surprised or shocked. This had been one of her fears that people would Uh, focus her attention on her right away. And as it turned out, she began to notice that various people would come and go throughout the meeting. Over the next month or so, she repeated this behavior, you know, leaving the room at each meeting. And she learned that she no longer needed to fear having to leave meetings suddenly because she had become accustomed to leaving the meeting. If she did need to leave the room suddenly because of an intestinal problem, she could do so, and it wasn't so anxiety-provoking for her. So this works for Jane, and it could work for you too. And you might be wondering, okay, why would this help with anxiety? What does it really have to do with anxiety? Well, what's going on with Jane is that Jane has faced one of her fears, which is having to leave the room suddenly. But now she has actually seen concrete evidence that nothing bad happens, so her fear of the unknown is removed from the situation. And really, this technique is not new at all. It's simply a variation of exposure therapy. And let's talk about what researchers published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States on the effects of exposure therapy. They state that the effects of a single session can have a long-term effect and result in stable reorganization of neural responses to feared stimuli. So what does that mean in plain English? In other words... When we expose ourselves to such things, we no longer have the same reactions in our brains to the things that we originally feared. So it doesn't cause the same reaction in our brains, so we don't feel the same fear response to those things. So we would encourage you to look at things that you avoid, and then to try to devise a plan, such as Jane's, so that you can face the thing you fear, and then you can see evidence that nothing majorly bad happens. Again, this can remove the fear of having anxiety or panic attack in a particular situation or place. 
And you might be thinking, you know, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have intestinal problems. I'm not scared to leave a meeting. Please don't get caught in the trap of the example. The problem is we often hear things like this and we say, well, that's not me. Well, of course, we're all individuals. Um, one of my principles of this newsletter of my website is that we are all individuals. So we have to keep that in mind at all times. So someone might give you an example from their life and you say, well, that doesn't apply to me. So that's no good. It doesn't work. Try to go beyond the example and look at the principles covered and the suggestions covered. I want to give you another example because I think it can be helpful for you to see another application. I knew someone who indicated that they were relatively introverted, and often anxiety sufferers are introverted, but not always. Let me be clear, not all anxiety sufferers are introverted, I'm not saying that, but some are, and some people are in general. So this person, you know, had a busy job where he had to do a lot of things in public and had to work around large groups of people. He didn't particularly like that as an introvert, so he would avoid going to the local pizza shop, even though it was really good pizza, and he really wanted to stop in and get a pizza, but he just couldn't bring himself to go to that local pizza shop, either before or after work. I also want to make another thing clear. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, you can have things you avoid. You might not avoid social situations as much if you're an extrovert because you're extroverted, whereas you might avoid going to certain places, though, because you are scared that you'll have a panic attack or anxiety. So you're still avoiding that situation for that fear, and that avoidance becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, anything that we avoid can cause us to miss out on all of the opportunities that life has to offer. And it just reinforces that introverted behavior, in this case, introverted behavior. Avoidance behavior is a better word because it's not about introverted or extroverted. This can certainly apply to extroverted people as well. But when we avoid things, it reinforces the tendency to avoid them. And it makes it something that's huge in your mind. But it also becomes almost like an unknown. Like, I don't know what would happen if I, I, I do that. I, that's off limits. I'm not even going to go there. What happens is we lack information. That's like anything we fear. We don't have information. Sometimes getting more statistics and more information about, for example, news stories, things that you read about in the media or watch on TV. You follow the news stories and the headlines are there to grab your attention. There's, there's no doubt. And... There are more than two sides to a story, and there's much more information to the two sides as well. So when you read an article, you, you get information, and ideally the information is balanced. But balance doesn't mean that you have every piece of information you should have in relation to the topic or the article. It just means it gives you two perspectives, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to give you everything you need to know about the topic. So sometimes we do the same thing with anything that's an unknown in life, and we avoid things because they become an unknown, and we don't have all the facts. Sometimes if we get more statistics and facts about various situations, we start to realize that they're not that bad and we feel better. So sometimes information can be another way to counter the fear of the unknown. And this brings me back to my original point. You, if you don't expose yourself to whether it's leaving the pizza shop, leaving a meeting suddenly, or going to a, a particular event, you'll never get the opportunity to have real information about that activity because you've never truly experienced it. But had you experienced it, you might realize this isn't as bad. You might meet interesting people. You might really enjoy that nice slice of pizza. In closing, this technique can help you conquer any fear about having to leave social situations quickly. You might find out there's nothing wrong with uh, leaving the work meeting suddenly. You might realize that there's nothing wrong with going to this huge setting with a lot of people, even though maybe you don't like crowds that much. However, 
As mentioned, you could try this technique for whatever activity you may be avoiding in your life. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode. Stay tuned for new content every week through our various media. We present our information through an assortment of formats aimed to suit a range of preferences. This is because people often learn best through particular formats suitable to them as individuals. One of our principles at PanicAttackRecovery.com is to offer real help that can be tailored to the individual. We would encourage you to take three steps. Number one, sign up for our free newsletter. Number two, follow us on Twitter. And number three, subscribe to our YouTube channel. This way, you can be assured you are not missing out on any content. You can access all of these options by visiting our website at PanicAttackRecovery.com. Through our website, you can also obtain a great deal of written material about panic attacks, anxiety, and agoraphobia, along with references to the research mentioned in our episodes. All information presented in these podcasts is provided for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for a psychologist, psychiatrist, or other healthcare provider's consultation. Please consult a psychologist, psychiatrist, or appropriate healthcare provider about the applicability of any opinions or recommendations with respect to your own panic attacks, anxiety or agoraphobia, or any other symptom or condition.